Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of DSC's podcast, Charity Questions, where we get professionals from around the sector and we ask them the questions that you need to hear today. And uh, really nice to have with us today, Rob Foster, Robert Foster from Red Okra. And he's talking to us today about impact measurement. And, and personally, I've done a lot of my impact measurement training with Rob uh, a few years ago now and still use a lot of that to this day. So we're here to learn all about what charities can do to measure the impacts they're making and also what that benefit of that is and, and if you are not doing this already which uh, some charities might not be how to start kind of doing that and of course if you are doing this which most of us are how we can take that to another level so welcome rob welcome to the podcast hi george how you doing cool yeah i'm good thank you very much so do you want to tell us maybe a, a little bit about your background how you ended up in this position as an expert or professional on uh, impact measurement in the charity sector yeah absolutely I'm a principal of Red Ochre. We're a leading social enterprise consultancy. Um, and I am particularly interested in how organisations create value, how they quantify value, and how they share that value with wider stakeholder groups. I'm doing this for quite a while now, long before impact measurement and impact management were, were trendy. Yeah. Um, back when it was called monitoring evaluation, everyone was complaining about, oh, I've got to report on this output for this funder and it was a chore um, it's really good to see over the last maybe 10 15 years um, the way the perception of impact has changed slightly from being a necessary evil to actually this might be something that if we're good at it it can help us get better so that's kind of my story absolutely I, lo I love that and i think some people would argue it maybe still feels like a chore but absolutely <laughs> How do we a get people Yeah. How do we get to the point where we're informing maybe future projects, our organization, fellow organizations? I love that. Um, so you're you're teaching this now. You teach a lot of charities uh, across the UK and, and probably abroad, I'm sure, as well. Um, impact measurement. When did you start training this kind of stuff? Oh crikey. We we did this, or I, I started training probably maybe 10, 12 years ago, maybe even more. Um at Red Oak, we only only deliver training on topics that where we have practical experience of that we've yeah. got knowledge of and so i've been actually doing things like social return investment kind of impact mapping theory of change type work for I don't know, more than 15 years actually i heard i was reminded by one of my colleagues that we were 21 years old last week so i've probably been doing it for almost 20 years i should think wow um, and so about five years after doing the, or getting my experience, I began to be approached by people say, could you help us do this ourselves? So that's probably when I started uh, training. Nice. I love that. And so maybe we've got some charities out there that potentially aren't doing this and maybe not necessarily reluctant. They don't have the time. They don't have the resources. Um, if you were talking to a charity about measuring impact and they were doing this for the first time, what would you say to kind of help them understand the importance of doing it? Oh, that's a really interesting question. Because trying to encapsulate everything here, aren't you? The value of, of, of social impact. Well, I, I, I'm going to, going to start kind of philosophically and I'm going to become a little bit more practical. So philosophically, oh, I'm glad that you're accommodating. <laughs> so um, philosophically, I think impact measurement can help you kind of understand and kind of answer some fundamental questions as, as a charity or a social enterprise or a community organization. Hmm. We're involved in kind of delivering positive social change to people, which, by the way, is a, a really pithy definition for social impact 
the positive change we want to see. Yeah. So we often struggle with how do we how do we know that, that we're delivering that positive change? So social impact measurement, getting the information to help you get some answers will help you answer that fundamental question. How do I know? How do I know I'm contributing positive change? How do I know I'm helping society? How do I know that I'm delivering value to the people that I'm interested in helping? So that's kind of the, the jumping on point. Absolutely. Um, from a practical perspective, um, I think impact measurement can help with two or three things. So the first is if you're focused on helping your beneficiaries and measuring the change in your beneficiaries, that helps focus your attention strategically. So it helps map back from activities through to strategy and everything in between. Yeah. So it helps it helps prevent horrible words. I'm going to drop the S-bomb, strategic drift here. Uh, another <laughs> strategic thing, drift, love it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, another, uh, uh, or t- two other things that I, I think it really helps with practically is it can help prove the benefit to external stakeholders of what you do. So that's to funders, that's to the press, that's to you know, social media. And we all know how so- how important social media is now. Of course. Uh, to policymakers, to beneficiaries, to trustees. Mm. Um, you know, so that's really important, being able to prove the benefit of what you have done and what you might be able to do in the future. So that, that's that's incredibly important. So that kind of overlaps into things like uh, fundraising, crowdfunding, branding, recruitment, all of these things kind of um, begin to mesh together with social impact here. And also internally, impact measurement and also impact management can help you use your limited resources so you can more effectively deliver greater value to your beneficiary group. So this is about things like um, internal efficiencies, project management, risk, Mm. internal change management, all of those kind of, I'm going to say kind of boring or common or garden kind of business functions. that that If you don't get that right, someone else is going to do it better and will be able to outcompete you. They'll just be just better at delivering positive change so that that's i think the probably the, the three main practical benefits nice so yeah. hopefully that's answered the question De- no definitely and it's a great understanding of kind of where you where you start on this journey i think you you, you talk about it exactly the same way we do at dsc it's about the beneficiaries mm-hmm. isn't it and somebody once said to me nothing yeah. about them without them and i love that and it's, this is part part of that isn't it um mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you for an example. Do you have an example for us where maybe you've worked with an organization or maybe you've spoken to an organization and they've gone and implemented measuring impact or improved their impact measuring and it's had a kind of dramatic impact on their performance? Oh, yeah, actually, that's a really good question. On the rather give you, Yeah, a bit on the spot. Uh, rather than give you one example, I'll maybe give you two examples to kind of illustrate a couple of different points or perspectives. So I'll start with with a, an arts project uh, based out in West London, um, as is typical of many, not only arts projects, but social and civil society type projects, they had multiple funders. Mm. You have multiple funders. The general story is you end up having to do monitoring evaluation reports to lots and lots of people all of the time, whether it's monthly, quarterly, biannually, annually. So, you know, if you've got 20 funders, oh my my Lord, you know, you're going to have a huge management overhead. So what we did was we worked with them to, to try and identify 
was there commonality in some of the indicators that were being used? Um, I'm going to kind of just put a little footnote here. Indicators. A lot of people get get caught up on on the word indicator because they think an indicator proves something is happening. Mm. It's not actually true. It's called an indicator. And here's a massive caveat here. An indicator is called an indicator because it indicates something may be happening. It doesn't prove anything. Okay. Yep. So normally when we're thinking about indicators, we have a range of indicators. So there'll be um, kind of quantitative, qualitative, maybe financial indicators. And you will use two or three of those indicators together to, to, to give slightly more robust evidence base that, that the positive change you want to see is actually happening. So bearing in mind that kind of that context, um, we worked with them to identify some commonality in all of the reporting to the, the, the plethora of funders that they had. And they were kind of a mixture of local funders, national funders, regional yeah. funders, and also kind of specific funders. Kind of, you know, so, so some would be about performance, some would be about kind of um, uh, um, kind of screen art, some would be about performance art and dance, that kind of thing. So there's a whole range of uh, different funders with all slightly different perspectives, but actually at the core, it's about using art to help people live the life they want to lead. So we worked with them to identify kind of almost a, a key indicator dashboard. And over time, they were able to do two or three things. So one is they began to measure those core indicators, whether they were funded to do so or not. So this actually gave them a huge data set, a really robust, what's, what we call a longitudinal data set. So that's evidence over a long period of time about the type of change that they want to bring about in their beneficiary group. And nice. so if it's a really robust long-term data set, it's very difficult for anyone to argue the toss with you. you know, mm. like, okay, well, you, you've actually got some proof there. Yeah, okay, mm. I, I stand back. You're the expert in the room. So that's one of the really big benefits. Another benefit is because they were measuring the same indicators, or you know, there's probably about six, probably seven indicators that were core to everything, the efficiency of measuring those indicators was increased so the the management overhead the reporting overhead decreased so they actually had more free internal resource to be able to deliver that positive social change so it was the equivalent of getting like an extra five percent grant mm. funding because they actually had that five percent internal efficiency saving so that's another interesting thing to think about if you save money and you get more internally efficient that means you don't have to go out and ask for more money. So that was a really interesting thing that they did. Uh, there is a bit of a caveat here. It wasn't all same play, uh, playing the same game, rather. <laughs> easy for me to say. Um, the interesting thing was that the vast majority of new funders that hadn't engaged with the organisation before, when, when they um, had their, their inset meetings and beginning to talk about how, how we're going to measure uh, the benefit of what you're doing they were so what well, we always we we measured this this core indicator bank and we have done for years mm. um we'd like to continue to measure based on this indicator dashboard are there any additional things you want to add on to it or is this fine and almost all of the new funders were happy to go actually that that ticks most of our boxes so we might have one possibly two additional indicators they asked for but actually they were happy with that so that was really great so as a transition into a more efficient and leaner uh, reporting mechanism moving forward, that, that was really great. Where the pinch point was, was managing the relationship with the existing funders to say, well, this is 
this is what we're we're trying to do mm. are you willing over the next two or three years to toward the end of this funding cycle to to either use our proposed indicator dashboard or do we have to continue to to yeah. do the reporting as as you you have currently specified that we do and so that that was a little bit of a pinch point and it was um I'm not going to lie. That bit wasn't easy, but it was yeah. definitely worthwhile the investment. And so maybe we're thinking of the funders now. So that was a conversation with the funders. They had a kind of prescribed layout for you to do it. And then you've kind of gone, actually, this is not, this is limiting what we can do in terms yeah, of our absolutely. measurement. Yeah. And, and the mm. funder had a positive re reaction to this in the end, potentially getting through the change curve kind of thing. The, the, the vast majority of funders did. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. 70 80 percent or more were, were fine were very flexible because remember a, a funder they are your friend they're not scary that they're, yeah. they're 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 having a conversation with a charity or a social enterprise because they like what you're doing mm -hmm. they think you are adding value to society to the environment to the world and they want to do a similar thing they can't do it themselves directly you can so it's in Absolutely. their best interest to be able to have a meaningful conversation with you and I think one of the, the really interesting things about this conversation was this arts project, we're able to go back and say, if you say, yes, this is a way forward and you're happy to adopt this kind of indicator dashboard, one, you get access to a longitudinal data set. And two, we are already more efficient as a result of doing this. Mm -hmm. It's an increase in efficiency and an increase in robustness of evidence. So there were kind of two benefits to this really. And are you keeping this information? Just kind of a technical question on in like SharePoint, Google Sheets. How are you, how are you sharing this with the funders? Uh, that depends, actually. Um, Different ways, I'm sure. Yeah. There, there, there's a there's a there's a basically every every funder wants their own. Um, the, the, so sometimes it will be sent to them directly. Sometimes yep. it'll be shared through kind of a, a common third party thing, you know, like G Drive or something like. That. Sometimes it'll be through a, a third party app where uh, or, or or a platform where you capture data um so so it depends as long as it's captured and generally as long as it's um it's a format it's in is an open format you know something like a csv file or a, an html file or something so you can export it and um, or even a pdf yeah um, th then that's fine for, for most purposes uh, we are getting towards this kind of the con convergent uh technology um you know the singularity so Slowly. Slowly, if, yeah. if evidence and uh, and data is out there, someone will get it. Absolutely, you go to yeah. share it. So we've um, kind of got you are gone. What you I, was, I was going to say no. That 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 was the first example. I you oh, got me all excited. I get all keyed up and say, oh, I want to show you something else. Now. So there's another example of a project that we worked on where impact measurement um, really changed the way the organisation, the project was delivered. So I thought, you know, that might be interesting to, to, yes. to share. Yeah, so, so it's it's less, the, the last example was really about increasing internal efficiencies and increasing the robustness of data. Uh, this one is, is slightly different. It's a, an entrepreneurial support project. It was based in, and I'm not going to mention the name, but if I say a South London outdoor market. Cool. Um, probably, I'm I thinking probably, of some. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this was a, a project designed to support uh, existing market traders and also kind of emergent traders, so people that were interested in kind of trying out entrepreneurial activity but didn't want to kind of either set up a business or, or hire a shop 
that kind of thing. Yeah. I just wanted to try it out. So the the original project specification was to have a, a variety of skills transfer, things like it, um, all day training, kind of test trading and support uh, around finance, all these kind of things, all of which is completely logical. Um, but after the first two or three sessions were run, there was almost no turn up to the all day training sessions. Mm. Um, so this is the first thing. So the the data capture, the number of people that were turning up was very low. So that kind of indicated something was happening. So mm-hmm. the, the next step from from impact measurement is impact management, going out and trying to figure out you know, what, you know, trying to gain insight. What's the data telling us? And why is this thing happening? And what can we change? That's the management bit. So we we talked to quite a few of the well as many of the beneficiaries as we possibly could, and it turns out, and as soon as someone says this to you, it's absolutely logical, and we just kind of slap your head. Why didn't we think of that? If you are a market trader, and there's tr- uh, training all day from eight o'clock in the morning to six o'clock, that means you can't be on your market store, which means absolutely. you can't earn money. Yep. So I'm not going to turn up. I'm going to make money. So um, as a result of this, we went back to the originator of the entrepreneurial support program and said, this is the problem. People aren't turning up. This is the reason because they are losing their ability to earn money. We suggest these changes. So this is the management bit, Mm -hmm. which is uh, maybe early morning sessions, kind of uh, bite-sized training sessions at lunchtime, very local Mm -hmm. to them, uh, Mm -hmm. and then evening or weekend sessions. So we, we adapted and made, and lowered the barriers to accessibility for the, the training and skills transfer. So I think this illustrates a, a, a few really interesting things. So impact measurement um, is only useful in as much as it gives us data, which then helps us gain insight and then make changes. So impact measurement, impact management is where you go to the next level. So mm. gaining something from the inside and then doing a change, making your organization better. That's one thing. The next thing this indicates or suggests rather is impact measurement overlaps so many other disciplines within a charity. So things like project management, resource management, scheduling, uh, recruitment, all of these kinds of activities you think are separate are actually not that separate. They, mm. they, they exist almost like if we had a Venn diagram of these kind of business functions, there would be like a pretty flower in front of you. Yeah. And right at the center would be social impact measurement. So I, I like, yeah, you're introducing that kind of impact management as well, which makes a lot of sense to me, but the words itself was actually maybe a reminder back to the course. Um, <laughs> and, and you're absolutely right. We can measure, but it's about the management of that. Um, so mm-hmm. we kind of, I always feel like when I'm teaching project management that I'm yearning to put objective data in there and like attendee numbers and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and that can feel great, but we know that the reality is that it's a lot of social change comes from the subjectivity, um, right? The kind of awareness of mental health and things like that. Um, so maybe if we're thinking of, of what a funder wants to see, if I'm somebody putting a bid together and I'm putting my impact measurement kind of in place and I'm thinking about the subjective and objective outcomes, what do you think a funder is going to want to see more of objective or subjective targets? That's an interesting question. Um, well, thinking about objective and subjective, um, I, I'll say that in my experience, many of the practitioners I come across get caught up in this. It's almost a pseudo argument. So what's mm. better? 
is it objective, subjective, relative, or is it quantitative, um, yeah, absolute? So, actually, they're, they're both parts of the same story. Yeah. Um, so, so that, that's the very first thing. So that both are necessary. And I'll, I'll expand on that a little bit later. Um, one thing I will um, suggest is from the perspective of a funder specifically, if if you have, well, I, I suppose I'm going to take a step back now and just remind people or, or just introduce for those that aren't familiar with uh, objective and subjective. And so okay. objective, so this sometimes called quantitative, sometimes called absolute measures. So they're easy to count. They're typically outputs. So they're yes. the things that immediately happen as a result of what you do. Nice. So normally it will be the number of training sessions or the number of people that turn up mm. or the number of maybe letters that, that are downloaded from your website for someone to sign and then send off to their MP. So they're really relatively uh, big numbers. Gotcha. Uh, they get big really quickly um, and they're easy to count normally. If they're not yep. easy to count, they're doing something wrong. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> um, so that's, that's a kind of um, another footnote. And so that, that, that's the very first thing. Um, the, the next part of, of this discussion is about kind of subjective measures. So sometimes this is called qualitative. Yeah. Sometimes it's called relative. So it's it, mm. it's about how you feel. So examples of this might be um, a, a change in your confidence, mm. uh, maybe an increase in your social network. Mm. Um, so and that's a, an, another interesting example. An, an increase, increase in the social network, there's two ways to kind of measure that. You could say, oh, I've got lots of people that I could talk with now and I feel as though my short social network is better or my group of friends is better. That's one way of thinking about it. But you could also have kind of quantitative measures mm -hmm. to answer that question as well. You could ask someone at the beginning of a project, how many people can you share um, a personal problem with? And it might be yeah. one. And then at the end of the project, how many people could you share that personal a personal problem with? And it might be four. Yeah. So there's actually an increase mm. in the number of people you could share a personal problem with, which is an indicator, it's a quantitative indicator that there has been a change in the social network. And a social network, um, how people feel they can engage with um, wider social groups is definitely on the subject of the relative end. So there's a bit of a blur. So there's objective... Yeah, subjective, and there's that kind of grey area in the middle where it could be one of two. Okay, Absolutely. so that's another uh, an interesting thing, thing to think about. A final, just just to muddy the water a little bit more. Let's do it. There are also financial proxies, you know, so financial measures. So, um, and financial measures are quite interesting because they could relate to individuals, they could re um, relate to economic systems, they could relate to family groups. So it could be. Um, um, measures about things like um, uh, energy poverty. You no, know, how much mm. money do you have is spent on energy, mm. heating your house, or feeding your children, or how much disposable income do you have as an individual? Or it could be um, an increase in the tax that you're contributing to the economic system of the country you're in, um, or the gross value added. You know, so the additional kind of value of of the enterprise that you've created. How much is that adding mm. to um, HMRC, for instance, that kind of thing? So there's a, a yet another series of measures. So it's not really just objective 
and subjective. There's also, you know, two or three other kind of grey areas that you could you can play in. And this is the exciting bit. None of these is better than any others. They are all part of the mix. Nice. Part of the what, sorry? The mix. Mix, gotcha. Yeah, part yeah. Of yeah. Part of the yeah. narrative, part of your story, because these are just tools to help you tell your story better to the person that you're trying to engage with. Um, and I've just realized that I haven't actually answered your question. What would a funder, what does a funder want? So um, we, we do lots of work with funders and, and impact investors. And one of them from about six or seven years ago that, that we're very friendly with said, said to me, it almost as an offhand comment was that um, outputs, if I, I'll remind you, outputs are yeah. the objective measures. So the big numbers that yeah. don't tell you a great deal, they open the door because they, they prove you're helping lots of people. Mm. Okay, so that gets someone's attention. Oh, you're helping 20,000 people. Mm. I'm listening. And then once your application goes on someone's desk, it's the lives touched. It's the storytelling. It's the emotional hook that really drives home your point that proves what you're doing has helped a person. Mm. And so that's a really interesting thing. So yeah, the, 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 the quantitative comes in later. That, that's kind of the knockout blow. There's a, a famous apocryphal quote, and um, I can't remember who said it. It's, probably no one said it because it's apocryphal. But um, a million deaths is a statistic, but one death is a tragedy. Mm. so if you think about that what 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 can i do to get a big number to knock on a door get someone to open the door mm. and then i can then i can have that emotional hook i can kind of drive home my point drive home our message yeah that, that's the way to do it a, a good one too yeah so it's almost we're building credibility aren't we with the, with the big numbers and then we're going mm. and here is here is this precise situation which subjectively has changed this person's life but it could also be objective as well in, in terms of how we measure that nice absolutely you're on the money you actually summarize what i said much better than i did <laughs> yes yes i'll take i'll take that i take that no this is definitely something that i'm passionate about and and want to learn more of absolutely um so we've probably got a lot of organizations out there and i will just say at this point maybe you don't have to be beholden to funders as a charity listening to this which is a really cool mm -hmm. position to be in but this is the same sort of stuff that we do for our internal stakeholders external stakeholders anybody that has a kind of influence in in the project we can present all of this information in the same way even if it's not mm -hmm. to a funder we're just talking about funders because obviously a lot of us rely on funders to get to deliver our projects with us um so maybe just to kind of one of the last questions i'm thinking of is we are a small charity we're running a few projects and mm. maybe we are measuring some impact potentially delegate numbers feedback percentages those sorts of things but if you were going to kind of stand with that charity and maybe help them to see if there was anything else they could be doing what sort of questions would you ask them or what would you recommend they could do to make sure their impact measurement was adequate that's a really interesting question a very practical perspective as well i like that um, ideally, I would say, have a plan before you start delivery. Mm, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. I mean, the num if I had if I had a pound for every time I was called in to help an organisation, it was three years into a five year program to sort out their monitoring evaluation. I could take early retirement. <laughs> yeah. But okay, so fa failing that, failing being able to plan before starting. Um, I there's probably three or four things you could do. Um, the first thing I would suggest is think about what's important for the organization. 
Mm -hmm. So you, you could do that intuitively that, that I know, I know this because I'm the founder or yep. it could be kind of intuitively or observed because we are a delivery organization and we engage on a day-to-day -day basis for the beneficiaries. We know this from experience and observation, or it could be a little bit more formal. Maybe we've got a vision document or maybe we've got charitable objects in our governing documentation, or maybe exactly. we've got uh, project objectives. You know, yep. So you know, that's where I would start. So that's kind of the flag in the sand that everything drives towards. Everything you should be doing should be supporting your progress towards fulfilling that vision. You know? mm. that's, that's the starting point. The next thing I would think about is, I'll, I'll refer back to one of my earlier answers about kind of fundamental questions. How do I know? How do I know that I'm contributing to positive social change? How do I know I'm contributing to bringing about that vision, bringing about those charitable objects being discharged? And so it's part of that kind of question, how do I know? You think about how do I get the answer to that? So we think about data. So what kind of questions can I ask? What kind of data do I get? How do I capture the data? When do I capture the data? So this mm -hmm. is a, a little bit about indicators, sampling frequencies, uh, sampling mechanisms. And sometimes we, we, if we, we, if we want to kind of raise awareness of a project, um, I don't know, maybe um, the benefit of eating fruit and veg yeah. on, on your long-term health care. Let's go for it. Um, <laughs> th there's, there's, there's a million and one ways you could do that. So you, know, you might think, oh, I, I know lots of these already. So you could, you could sort of say, well, I've seen um, other projects using these measures. And you could just adopt other people's measures. This is kind of a little bit of a, uh, um, a trick. It's, sometimes it's called parametric learning. Uh, so parametric learning just means taking someone else's parameters, someone else's data, or what they're measuring, just using that. So a nice way of saying this nice. is you're standing on the shoulders of giants. You're copying yeah, someone, not... and that's absolutely okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You should I like best that. Practice. I like that. The yes, parametric, what, parametric, what was the second word? Parametric learning. I like that, yeah. <laughs> copying people who are doing it well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's one way of... of of doing it um, yeah. the other way nice. is what you already feel and know we, we've measured this before and it's been fine let's do a little bit more yeah but sometimes if you're struggling though or you want to kind of go to the next level maybe you're going from um project sizes of maybe five thousand pounds you want to go to maybe twenty thousand or fifty thousand you might to be, need to be a little bit more formal so nice. um there are a few tools that you might want to use so there's things like the theory of change which you've probably heard of many of you have heard of um really simply there's a problem there's activity you do stuff and then the stuff you do contributes to lessening the problem so it contributes to the solution so problem activity solution nice you can you can make it as, as complicated as you want but that's that's the nub of it um then there's things like um visual storyboard which is um a mechanism that in that involves co-design to flesh out the theory of change. Uh, so you work with your beneficiaries, workers, trustees, potentially funders, other organizations doing similar things. And so that's a, a kind of a next step beyond theory of change. And there are some really, uh, really pithy ones, uh, pithy tools, things like look back, move forward, which is um, mm. a, a real favorite. And I've used that, that with um, um, gangs in conflict with each other in urban environments all the way mm. through to international human rights lawyers wow. and everything in between. So it's, it's, there's a range of immensely flexible tools that are available to you. 
And so that's what I would do. If if you're thinking or struggling about what data do I capture, have a think a little bit more formally and look at what other people, other organizations similar to you are doing. So a, a great thing to do would be to look at maybe um, Social Value International, um, yeah. uh, those kinds of organizations, but they'll normally have a variety of uh, impact reports uh, in a repository. Look for the organizations that are mm. similar to you and see what they're reporting on, what kind of measures are they using. So when in doubt, look at other people's work. That's such a good tip. So that's Social Value International. People could just Google yeah. that, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And th- there's, there's a million and one others as well. Yeah, no, that's a really great tip there, I think. Um, so uh, to kind of summarise, Robert, I think we're, we're about building credibility, right? And about showing people the what impact of what we've done. Is there anything else you wanted to to share before we kind of sign off? Um, Maybe a couple of other things that, that I would suggest is give yourself permission to pause and reflect mm. but within and i once more i'm going to take a step back and be a bit philosophical within the sector i've noticed that and i'm sure many of us have noticed this particular kind of structural issue with the sector is we do a huge amount of work and we do it very very well but with incredibly limited resources so we we tend to be spread really thin so we go from planning to doing mm. to reporting to planning mm. to doing reporting, trying to fundraise the whole time. We it's very rare that we we take a moment to kind of pause and reflect and say, what's the data telling us? What can we do better? Um, can we change the way we communicate with funders? Can we change the way we engage with beneficiaries? Can we change the way we deliver activities using our limited resources to be more efficient? So. The, the two big takeaways I would suggest would be pause and reflect, gain insight and do something interesting. With it. Love that. Yeah, I, I, you're absolutely right to, to reiterate the kind of pause there. And I think we we all see it, don't we, in, in each other. And you, I speak to somebody and they're like, oh, by the way, I'm also now doing this as well. And that's very common, <laughs> isn't, isn't it? Um, but yeah, we find kind of peace in that pause. And, and we will save time eventually as well, actually, if we do this, when we step absolutely. away. It's an- it's a massive investment. Fifteen minutes every day to think about things mm. uh, will pay massive dividends, mm-hmm. especially if you're in a management or in a leadership role, or you're thinking about transitioning into a leadership role. G- gaining insights really is incredibly important. Nice. Okay. Um, so yeah, Robert and uh, his colleague Uday, uh, a, a couple of trainers for us at, at DSC and have been doing, they train all of this stuff for DSC and, and outside of DSC through Red Ochre as well. Do you want to let people know how to kind of get in touch with you, Robert, if they have any questions, how they can reach out to you? Absolutely. Um, the simplest way is just drop me an email at robert at redochre.org.uk. That's uh, R-E-D-O-C-H-R-E uk or just look me up on linkedin i'm in there there's a rather cheesy picture of me looking <laughs> like that with a kind of a suit on all that kind of stuff but some people expect that kind of um 
you have to be watching the video to benefit from that pose then that robert just did um <laughs> that's amazing so yeah i definitely recommend linking in with robert and um and if you do have any questions go to him go and come to me and we can we can talk to about this and or come and attend some of the amazing training that rob was um through dsc or directly with red ochre and uh just want to thank you for coming on and sharing um your impact measurement journey with us and actually it was a reminder for me and i think you're absolutely right to say we measure then we manage that but also so we step away and we think about what we're where we're at and i think i probably for a challenge you might say uh, you might agree with robert is that sometimes we join organizations as mentors and and we and we don't have the knowledge that is so important mm -hmm. to do this actually and it's about kind of facilitating people to kind of understand their organization in a slightly different way um rather than us actually telling people what to do which is which is kind of what i found anyway um so i hope people feel empowered from this and and go away and maybe take your impact measurement to another level uh, anything else robert sad uh, no i think i think we've we've covered everything amazing well thank you so much for joining us on uh, dsc's charity questions podcast you're a great guest and thank you for being here today fantastic thanks a lot see you soon george bye Thank you for watching Charity Questions by the Directory of Social Change. So this is the podcast where we bring charity experts to you and we ask them the questions that you provide us via social media. So if you want to get involved, please check out the Directory of Social Change on Instagram, Twitter or LinkedIn. And of course, to hear more about this content and to learn more about Charity Questions, subscribe to our YouTube channel now and of course, like this video to let us know if you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for watching. Cheers.